pray if you would bow your heads. Dear God, we come to you now to speak directly to us, dear God, and to have the message planned for us and allow us to hear it and allow us to go out and live it and give you the glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We finish, or we're streaming on in our series in his own words. These are, these are uh, verses that are spoken by Jesus Christ. They're heavy with meaning. Um, they're spoken in his day. Um, it's almost eerily um, just so amazing how applicable it is to the days that we live in now and how after all these years around the sun, nothing's really seems to change. We still deal with a lot of the same problems, and uh, his words uh, speak directly to us in almost the same manner as they spoke to the people he, he said them to in that day. And a lot of the things going on in that day, we're still, we're still dealing with it. And um, I think that's a statement on, on several things. First thing is I think it's a statement on, on mankind, how we don't ever really change. We don't ever really look at history and take that into consideration and move forward in a better way. We seem to look at it and say, yeah, let's repeat that again. And then I think it's a statement on um, Jesus that after all these years, he still loves us. And he is a loving, patient Savior. And he still loves us even after seeing humankind go through the same cycles. He still loves us and forgives us. And he is a merciful God. And I'm just, I'm thankful that he's a merciful God. I know you are too. So um, um, let's look. I'm in Matthew 6. This is uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and we see here, and this is kind of going to be the, the heavy scripture here. Um, I'm going to spend just a little bit more time on this one than I am on the rest, okay? So it says that uh, this is Jesus Christ talking. And uh, this speaks, man, this is just right up in your face, gospel. I mean, this is Jesus Christ. Um, he says it in a loving way, but at the same time, um, his words are often um, with weight, and they um, are, are very bold, but sometimes boldness is, love has to come out in a bold way as well, okay? So it says, no one can serve two masters, and let's just blot out the world, everybody around you, you know your other master that is in your life. If you've only got one, congratulations, you're living a good life, okay? But we're dealing with problems. We've got problems that continually haunt us. We've got sin that goes in cycles, and we've got habitual sin that comes up. We've got cyclical sin that reoccurs, okay? And um, we also have the sins that we give into and that we justify and that we have, uh, you know, brought in and we carry it along with us in our baggage that we call life. And... We understand what these, these, this statement is very, very comprehensible. We know what he's saying. Cannot serve two masters. For either will one, you'll hate one and love the other, or else you'll be loyal to one and despise the other. And that is exactly the truth. And anytime you try to bring two things together and try to put them on equal playing fields, first of all, anything that you put equal or in front of Jesus Christ well, he will lash out at that, okay? We know it, we say it in words, but let's just get down to living the gospel. These words that we say, Jesus Christ is the most important thing in my life, is he really, okay? There's an easy way to know if that is true, and you know that you re put what amount of time you're putting in things in your life. We often say that check your checkbook, and you'll find where your heart is, 
And Gary Morris had the best line to that. He said, my heart's at Walmart. And so, um, but I mean, if you look at where you spend your time, your money, and your effort, that's your priorities. Okay, and you know if Jesus is number one in your life. And it's easy to say it. It's easy to say the words. It's easy to put, it, you know, to come to church and, and say amen at that stuff. But when you get down to living, it's not always quite so easy because especially in the world now where there's so much demanding of our time and our effort and our money, other things other than Jesus. And it's just a struggle. It's a struggle. And we are reaping, and the Bible says, you know, God cannot be lied to or mocked. Whatever a man reapeth, that he will, or whatever he soweth, that he will reapeth. Okay? And so it's just a law of nature, and it's a law of religion, of theology. You know, what you sow, you will reap. And unfortunately, we are reaping today what we have sown for generations. And so this is a statement of truth. This is a law. You cannot have two masters. You can't have one because you'll end up loving one, hating the other, being loyal to one, and despising the other. So right now, get it in your head. Figure out what it is that you struggle with, and let's attack that today, okay? Let's set out and attack it. Because here's, here is the, uh, the last statement here kind of puts it, into, puts it into plain talk, okay? It says, you cannot serve God and mammon. You say, what's mammon? Well, the translations of this stuff always seems to go back to money. It always talks about the love of money and the struggles with money. And if, if I just am honest with you, okay, we've gotten to the, in this world today where we have somehow taken a Jesus Christ. I'm probably going to get in trouble for this, but i just going to say it, preach it today. Okay, so here's the truth to you. All right, here you go. We have somehow, especially in America, taken a Jesus Christ who didn't own anything, had no house, back, no bed, um, lived off of donations, no, no income, rocked for his head to sleep at night, okay, who loved people, served them, you know, endured himself to the poor, to the struggling, spoke to them, lashed out at the, the powerful and the rich, and we've taken that Jesus and somehow made him a capitalist, where if you got a bunch of money and you're doing well, then boy, you're doing good. You must really be you must really be tight with Jesus. And I mean, and if I'm out of line, let me know. But somehow we have conflated those two and put them together, and we got this thing where if you're praying hard and you'll do this, and boy, you'll reap a bunch of money in there. And I don't know where that comes from. I don't know where it comes from. Okay. And that is where we now have taken two masters and put them together. That's just one, one of the examples. And mam mammon can be anything, really, if you apply these in the right kind of way towards ourselves, okay? So, for instance, if you deal with anxiety, and a lot of us deal with anxiety, and anxiety can be something that can be fear-based, it can be chemically-based, you know, Something in your body, it can be, uh, you know, something that happened in your past that always dredges up some, the fear of failure, there's a lot of people that are driven by the fear of failure, they over-prepare, they kill themselves because they're just afraid somebody might think that they didn't do it 100% or do it right, and there might be something negative against them. You know what you're dealing with, okay? So anxiety could be fear-driven, 
But if that is, but if that is something that you put in front of Jesus Christ and that is where you base your efforts and stuff, then that is man, mammon. And so a lot of times we have these things in our lives that just haunt us and, and it ends up becoming a, and we conflate it into a part of our religious beliefs and it's just not proper. And anytime you add anything to Jesus Christ, it becomes heresy. And anytime you add anything to Jesus Christ that's not correct, absolute heresy. And so we have these things in our lives that, you know, it might just not be the love of money, but it might be the other things that are driving us. And that is the inability to have faith. That is the inability to follow Jesus Christ in the right way. That is the inability to let the Holy Spirit lead you in the way that you're supposed to be led. Okay? And so when we put our faith and stock and our efforts in those things other than Jesus Christ and allowing him to take over and to fill you with his Holy Spirit and be driven by the Holy Spirit, then that becomes two masters. And you can't serve two masters. All right? And when we conflate stuff into our theology because we have to justify the things in our lives, that's wrong. And that's not right. And that's adding another master in with the master. Okay? So, you know what you struggle with. You know what is your mammon. All right? And just be aware that you can't serve two masters. You've got to make a choice. And sometimes the choice is made just through the living. Because the devil is smart enough just to get you busy enough and just to get you distracted enough to where Jesus starts sliding down the priority list. And that is where we are this year. As today, just like they were then, we are conflating all this stuff and we are reaping it. The problems that we have in this world is because we have conflated too many things into true religion, into true Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, sometimes who people have him in their minds and the Jesus Christ that they worship is not any resemblance to the, G to the true Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was about love. Jesus Christ was about compassion. Jesus Christ was someone who would sit down and talk with anyone. We talked about it Wednesday night, woman at the well. He would sit down with anyone. Okay, even crossed so many lines there. Talking to a woman, a Samaritan in Samaria at noon, asking her to do something. Okay, Jesus Christ if, he, if the true Jesus Christ is not reflected in your life, then you can't reap the blessings that you would get had you have the true Jesus Christ in your life. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. So we're not supposed to worry, not supposed to care. Okay, so this is where sometimes when the... When the truth gets a little bit offensive, then we go to the extreme. Anybody ever seen that happen? When the truth gets offensive to us, we go to the extremes. That doesn't happen nowadays, does it? Nobody goes to the extremes, do they? I'm being kind of smart alecky there, all right? What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body and what you will put on it is not life more than food and the body more than the clothing, okay? So... The question being asked here is, what is life all about? That's the $10 billion question, right? Why are we here? 
Why are we on this earth? More importantly, why are we here this morning? Why do we come here? What's the purpose of coming here? What's the purpose of living? Well, the answer to all of that is Jesus Christ. Okay? You have to figure out the way that Jesus Christ wants you to live and to glorify him through your living. Because the way he's asking you is different than the way he's asking me. But then when we come together here as a united corporate church, then all these differences, the ways that we minister and that we reveal the glory of Jesus Christ comes together in a unified way. And that unified way has to resemble the life that Jesus Christ did. And that was going out and serving. And serving people that were different than him. And serving people that, you know, were not easy to serve. Serving people that were in the middle of their sins. Aren't you glad Jesus Christ loved you in the middle of your sins? Because I'm still in the middle of my sins. And he still loves me. And he still forgives me. And he's merciful to me. Okay? And so our living, our mission work, has to reflect the true Jesus Christ. We can't add anything to it. Otherwise, it becomes heresy. Okay? And if we take anything away from the glorification of Jesus Christ, then we've done it wrong as well, even if the process was good. Okay? So it has to be about Jesus Christ. Our living has to be about Jesus Christ because if we get it right, he is the premier thing in our lives, the top priority. And that is the, the daily walk, to get up and to make less of me, more of him. In order for him to shine, I got to step back, okay? It says, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, okay? They don't work, they don't make their own food, all right? Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you are wearing can add one cubit to his stature? Okay, so now we're talking about that when we start, and, and here's the other thing, when we start to step out in faith and then we start to allow the Holy Spirit to drive us and we start to, to live this life that Jesus Christ has laid out in front of us, then, we, then our faith sometimes can wane, all right? And then we start to worry about the things that got us separated from God in the beginning, Okay, all the materialistic things. And listen, I have another job and, and worries about stuff. I've got a daughter going into college. I got one, a boy in high school, a wife, you know, that's prettier than me, and I'm trying to keep her. All right, so I, I understand all the financial struggles that we're all going under. You know, I got my Ameren bill yesterday too. Okay, and it was, whew, you know, took my breath away in a bad way. Okay. Not, not in a good way. So I'm, I'm there with you, okay? I've, same, same struggles. I'm, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. So I, I get it. I get that we all have struggles and everything. And sometimes, sometimes when we start thinking about this is what I really feel like I'm being led to do, then becomes all the, the, the worries about the world. Well, how am I going to keep my kids in clothes, you know, and the clothes they like? And, I, you know, I, I got to buy gas, and I got to pay Ameren, and I got to pay you know the college and we got to do this and I got to you know buy a better bat and basketball shoes and all I mean it just never stops does it and then it's like well maybe I and then pretty soon what I end up doing is like switching over and I start thinking about business decisions what can I do to make my business better when I you know where I started was over here 
I know, you're, and, and you, we do the same things, right? It's like we start out in the right place, but then we start getting pushed over to the other place, to the other worries. And what the Bible's telling you is that if, Jesus, if, if God would take care of the, with the birds who don't, they don't grow anything, they don't pick anything, you know, they have, all they do is just eat, fly around and eat. And God takes care of them, okay? And he takes care of the crows, the ravens, and we don't even know what their purpose is, all right? So, I mean, there's just this understanding that needs to come that God will take care of us. And that does not mean, I'm not preaching a lifestyle of laziness, okay? The Bible says if you don't take care of your own, it's better as if you weren't ever born, all right? So I'm not preaching that. And I preach the same thing to my kid. You need to work hard, study hard, get a good job, you know, put effort into it. You know, you're not going to be lazy. You're not going to lay around and, and, you know, you're not entitled to anything and nobody's going to give you anything. And, you know, all, I preach the same thing to my kids. But there has to be a layer of that you have to allow Jesus Christ to lead you. And you can't let the fears that will come into your mind pull you away from the ministries that Jesus Christ has laid in front of you. Okay? And we have to figure out how we get all that done. But the first and foremost is that we open ourselves up to Jesus Christ and be led by Jesus Christ. And then all the other stuff will take care of itself. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, or the lilies of the field, how they grow. They outshine Solomon and anything that he could have ever worn. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field today, and tomorrow it's thrown into oven, He will not much more, will He not much clothe you, O you of little faith? And so there is the statement. There is the ending of the statement and the argument that He is making is that when we get into these situations, to where we know we're being led, okay. And then we start to convince ourselves that, well, I can't do that because I can't afford it and I'll go bankrupt and all. And we throw in all the negatives. That is just us telling Jesus, I don't have enough faith to do what you're asking me to do. If you don't believe me, read the last line of that set of verses right there. Oh, you of little faith. And so many times, and, and, and here's... I'll get in trouble for this, but I'm a Phelps, and you know what one of our greatest talents is? Blaming someone else, <laughs> okay? <laughs> I wish Ariane was here, because I'd have gotten a big amen out of that, all right? As soon as something goes wrong, I was like, well, what'd you do, okay? And that's what we do, is when we get fearful, when the first step of failure, we start blaming others, okay? I'm the victim, something's happened. And then when we get asked to do something, out of our comfort zone, then it starts that, hey, this is going to be a failure, and it's just as if we're telling God, I don't trust you to take care of me, I don't trust you to lead me in the right kind of way, and what you're telling me is foolishness, so I know better, and I'm going to do it the way that I want to do it. We don't say those in words, but that is exactly what we say. And Jesus is looking at us and saying, this is a faith issue. This is a 100% faith issue. You don't have a, the faith in me to step out and do the things I'm asking you to do because you don't think I'll take care of you. Am I wrong? It says, therefore, don't worry about the same, what we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear. 
For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows your needs and all these things. In fact, the Bible tells us that even before we can make the understanding that we need something, the Holy Spirit is already going to God in words that we can't understand that he calls groanings on our behalf to the God the Father. And I'm thankful that we have that kind of loving God who knows our problems better than us, before us, and is already taken care of. Do you realize, do you realize that as soon as man sins, there is already a prepared path to a Savior that will redeem us? And that was preordered. God knew we were going to fail and that he would have to send his son to die for us. He went ahead and created man anyways, knowing that he would have to sacrifice his son for us. And it's out of love that he made those decisions. And yet we don't have faith in that kind of God to take care of us. Before man was, let me say that again, before man was created and had failed, he had already planned for the pathway to salvation through Jesus Christ, the Savior. And we don't have the faith in that God that he'll take care of our daily needs. When you put it that way, it sounds kind of foolish, doesn't it? But that is our struggle. That is our letdown. And that's why he says we are creatures of little faith. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Okay? Ask yourself this. Where are you investing? Is your stuff invested here in things that are going to disappear? You know? I, I've told you this story before. It was in the springtime. It's been several years ago. I was down at the gym downtown, and it, weather was, it was that period there to where winter was starting to get over, and you could feel spring coming on, and, you know, I, usually I'm used to an empty gym, but at those times of the year, the gym fills up, you know, everybody's getting ready for, put their summer bods on and all that stuff, okay, and they're going to the, to the gym, and it was crowded, and I was on a, back then, believe it or not, I was on a treadmill, so I was on a treadmill, and um, I was thinking about how everybody was preparing for the summer and, you know, to look better and lose some weight. And as I looked out the window there over into the funeral home across the street, they were having a funeral. And it was kind of a, amazing how Locust Street in El Dorado, how different one side of the street was than the other side of the street. One side of the street, a life had ended and was over. On this side, everybody was preparing for the future and trying to, you know, get their body better. The other, the other one, they were burying the body. It was done. And it was, um, just kind of hit me that life goes on. And then I'm always amazed at how quickly life moves on and how what was so important one minute doesn't even get talked about the next minute and how earth-shattering something is in a, in 
you know, shaken mankind at this point, and then in the next hour or days or months, it's not even spoken about. And it's a reflection on us, it's a reflection of our short time spans, it's, ref or we, I, I think everyone has AD&D, or AD&D anymore, is that the right one? Attention Deficit Disorder, yeah, we're all, I think you could just, one doctor could say, we all have it. Because, I mean, we, we, we can't stay focused on anything anymore. I mean, this new cycle is just spinning out of control. Our attention's here and there. Life moves on quickly. We're only here for a limited time. You only have so many times to do something. You only have so many opportunities. I was talking to someone the other day, and they live far away. And they were asking me if they should uh, try to come home. And I said, you know, you're, you're asking the wrong cat, man. I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. And I said, you know, how, how long, how much more years do you think your parents have to live? I don't know, 15 years. And you come home two times a year? Yeah. That's 30 times. You got 30 times left to see your parents. Is that enough for you? It's not enough for me. And I know, I, I, listen, I'm not putting anybody down. I know people have, you know, transportation problems. I, I get it jobs and all, all that, but, you know, we only, have, we only get so many opportunities. You only get so many opportunities to tell someone you love them. You only get so many opportunities to actually love somebody. You only get so many opportunities to, you know, to forgive. And I think about the time, all the time I've wasted mad at people, all the time I've wasted um, being um, unforgiven or accepting un or forgiveness in the times when I've dug my heels in and the times when I've missed opportunities to to you know, be a friend to somebody, or or to witness to somebody, or just you know, opportunities, missed opportunities. And you only get so many, and life's short. And you know, I tell you this all the time: the greatest lie we tell ourselves is that we'll have the time, and we tell ourselves, "I'll, I'll have the time," and we don't. And we, and a lot of times, it's just wasted time. We didn't really do anything important about it either. I mean, Netflix. <laughs> all I gotta say is Netflix, right? It's like, you know, I'll watch one episode, and then, like, 17 episodes later, you're like, I could sleep 30 minutes and go to work. I think I could do it. I got one more episode in me. All right? Yeah, I mean, we're just so distracted, and life is so limited, okay? And we spend so much time worrying about the stuff that is not important and fighting. Let me say this one real loud. Fighting over the stuff that aren't important. Now, we do fight about important stuff. Okay, I'm not saying that. There are some very important things that we need to fight about and to get that settled, all right? Absolutely. But there's a lot of effort, a lot of money and energy wasted on things that don't matter. Okay, and my Uncle Larry, my high school class one time, he put a thought in my head. He said, you know, when you go to the cemetery, there's the birth and the death, and your life is summed up in that one little dash mark. That's your life. What's your dash going to be? What's it mean? Is it an impactful dash or not? Does it mean anything to anybody? And that's where we are. But we get too tied up in the things that aren't important. All the mammon. And it kills our faith. It kills our walk. It kills our witness. And it kills the glorification of Jesus. Thank you for tuning into Star Church's sermon. We truly hope that the sermon edified you today and brought you closer to the Lord. For more information about Star Church, visit our website at stargbchurch.com. Once again, that's stargbchurch.com. 
If you would like to visit our church, our address is 4925 State Road 142 North, El Dorado, Illinois 62930. We now pray that God will bless you as you enter the mission field and bring His Word to the world. And as always, we will see you next time here at Star Church. Thank you.